Becky, I feel like everyone is talking about the La Roche-Posay Epiclar range. Can you tell me why? So the reason it's so popular is because it's one of the most iconic anti-blemish ranges. It's loved by experts and dermatologists. And put simply, it's because it targets blemishes while also hydrating your skin and controlling your levels of excess oil. What are the products that we need to know about? One of the best products is the Effaclar Duo Plus, which hydrates the skin and never strips it. But at the same time, it has some key ingredients that reduce the appearance of any blemishes. You also have the purifying cleansing gel, which can be used on the face to prevent spots, but also on your body. So it's brilliant for people who may be prone to acne, say, on the back. Finally, their serum is brilliant too. It has a lightweight texture that absorbs fast and targets blemishes at speed. And is the range for everybody? It's best suited to those with oily, blemish-prone skin, but also anyone that's generally prone to acne. But look out for their Duo Plus moisturiser if your skin is particularly sensitive. It all sounds amazing. Where can I find out more? To find out more, you can shop the entire La Roche-Posay Epiclar line at boots.co.uk with 25% off until the 6th of May. Welcome to the Sheerlux Team podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week, I'm joined by Lou Half and Becky Hull, and we're going to do a bit of a skincare special. So I'm thrilled to say we're also joined by Dr. Justine Cluck. Justine is a consultant dermatologist and skincare expert based on Harley Street. She has a specialist interest in acne treatment, having suffered from acne herself. She really is the ultimate go-to for the latest and most effective prescriptions, individualized instruction on skincare and treatment strategies that are highly personalized, evidence-based and scientifically verified. That's the formal bit done. Justine, welcome. So lovely to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be with you. You really genuinely are the go-to for skincare. You were the first person that pops into my brain for, for this podcast. So we're so lucky to have you here today to pick your brain on all things skin. Thank you. That's very flattering. <laughs> um, I know we've got lots of questions. The three of us did a uh, hair care special a few weeks ago, and I think we could have gone on for about four hours. So I can imagine this, this yeah. will be similar once you get cracking. There are so many questions. Um, so I'm going to jump straight in and ask you, what is the number one issue that people come to you with? So you mentioned my interest in acne, and um, it's therefore not coincidental that probably the number one thing people come to see me for is acne. Um, I have been interested in acne personally since I was 12. Um, I started to get breakouts myself at that stage. And there's nothing that gets you interested in something more than having to deal with it yourself. Didn't really know anyone with acne at the time. My dad had told me he had some spots when he was younger, and he grew out of them. I didn't have a huge amount of confidence in my dad because he has acne scarring. Um, so when I say I didn't have confidence, I mean that he was giving me the right advice is what I mean there. <laughs> I kind of waited for it to pass. I tried Clearasil and that sort of thing, toothpaste, whatever I could find at home, Sudocreme, you know, the usual bathroom cupboard uh, go-tos and nothing was helping. Uh, my mom eventually took me to see a dermatologist for a mole on my shoulder at some point. And as we walked into the office, the dermatologist said to my mom, never mind her mole, what are you doing about her acne? And I remember just complete horror. I was like, oh my God, he noticed like if this is a thing. But at the same point, like massive relief because someone was taking me seriously, which meant that I was now actually going to get proper help. And my spots got a lot better. Um, I felt 
so much better about my skin it hugely improved my self-confidence and I was you know determined that I was going to become a dermatologist and treat acne and um, that's what I did really I you know went to medical school I specialized in dermatology uh, it's funny how you can say those two things in two really quick sentences for a process that takes about 13 years <laughs> um, and uh, and then um, I set up a private dermatology clinic in 2016 and initially sort of treating all skin conditions because dermatologists treat everything hair nail and skin related but um, I've always been most passionate about treating acne because of um, uh, the sort of history I've given you there and so over time people sort of migrated uh, towards me I guess because people like to be treated by someone who understands what they're going through. And you mentioned that you know for you that was something that started when you were 12 so many people associate acne with being a teenager and with the hormones that come with that but how many of your your patients your clients are actually grown up? It's really interesting, actually, because I'm going to give you a different answer now to what I would have given you a year ago before the pandemic. It's really interesting. That's changed things for me quite a bit. I would say 80% of my practice is acne. So um, I also see quite a lot of um, patients with rosacea, which is another condition that can cause spots, but it's it's different from acne. Um, and prior to the pandemic, probably most of my patients were in their yeah, late 20s, early 30s, that, that sort of age, probably the most. But I have patients who go all the way up to 60 with acne. And pleasingly, the sort of rates of acne decrease with every decade. So the number of patients I have in their 60s with acne is much fewer than those I have in their 20s or 30s the thing that's been different during the pandemic is I've got many younger patients so um, I'm treating many many more teenagers and I think probably that's an accessibility thing because um, now that we're doing consultations online quite a lot it means that kids would previously have had to finish school and make it across to Harley Street for an appointment and it didn't always fit in with schedules but now um, they can just zoom in after classes so um, I think that's opened things up a little bit more I think probably there's a bigger conversation there about younger people being much more about their skin as well. That is so interesting. Becky, you had really bad acne, didn't you? Mm, I do you know, whenever I talk about acne, I always think mine used to be so bad, Justine. I used to get it at the top of my forehead and the center of my cheeks was where it was really bad. And it, I wasn't even somebody that put loads of makeup on it. I really didn't try and cover it much, mm. but it just would increasingly get worse. And the only thing they said to me was, it's not bad enough for Arachitane, but it's bad enough for us to put you on the pill to properly try and get rid of it. There's no other kind of solution and I hate to say it but I've been on Yasmin for 10 years now and I am petrified to come off because it genuinely it cleared my skin up within a month fully and now I, I mean I don't get spots now but genuinely it used to be really bad acne and how did you then combat the scarring Becky then with with then going onto the pill did like did you have that or I have tiny scars that sit right on the bottom of my skin, but they're not visible enough to really bother me. It was never kind of, the spots were never deep enough to cause scarring, but there was just so many of them Mm. um, in clusters. And actually my brother, it obviously runs in the family because he did have to go on Roaccutane and actually seeing how it transformed his skin, it literally does dry you from the inside out, doesn't it? So I'm sort of grateful I didn't go on that, but then I'm also ungrateful that I've been on the pill this whole time and that's all I've ever had to remedy. So I have really, really bad scarring because I also had really bad acne and it's all here. It's here like across my temples. And um, I, Becky, we've got a really similar story, except I was dragged to every doctor, every dermatologist, and not one suggested that it could be hormonal and that I should go on the pill. Not one. And then I was, and this was when I was kind of 13 to 16, maybe. And then it got better as I got slightly older. 
when I was 18, 19, I went on, I also went on Yasmin and I'm exactly the same Becky. I've had like three spots in 12 years <laughs> and, and will never come off Yasmin because I'm so scared of what it what will happen to my skin um, and have like no other issues with the pill. But I, I still, I can't, and I also, I beg to go on Rakutane. Um, and I was on erythromycin, which is a um, an antibiotic for years and years for it, um, and it never, re- I mean, it didn't really help. Very interested to pick your brain on scarring as well, because um, I know that's something that you deal with a lot, Justine. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, by the way, the sort of scenario that you guys describe about being on the pill, working really well and feeling terrified about coming off it is extremely common. I I don't want to misquote the number here, but I'm pretty sure I've read that something like, let's say, two thirds of women of reproductive age uh, are on some form of hormonal contraception. And it can often be, you know, the combined pill can be really helpful for acne. So um, 90% of us have acne in our teenage years. If you sort of put those two figures together, you work out that a lot of people's acne will be controlled because they're on the contraceptive pill and then are therefore terrified and they get, you know, a little bit older and they've been on contraception for a while. They start asking, do I still want to be on it? Uh, do I want to think about starting a family? And then there's sort of horror about, oh my gosh, what happens to my skin if I come off the pill? That's one of the reasons people actually come to the clinic to say, I think I want to come off the pill. Like, what do I do as a preemptive strike, if you like, to prevent my skin from uh, from flaring up? But And if you're, I kind of always assume that if you were somebody who, the pill worked for for your acne that there that was maybe because you're a teenager and your hormones were imbalanced and that kind of sorted it out but but do those hormones that have messed up your skin or that have caused that acne stay with you so so if 12 years later I come off the pill what are the chances or same for Becky what are the chances that our acne would then flare up again So in general, uh, the reasons why we start getting acne in our teenage years, when we go through puberty, we start to make more of a group of hormones called androgens and testosterone is probably the sort of best known culprit. And as testosterone levels get higher, our skin gets oilier. So this is like the transition from becoming a kid where you don't have to wash your hair every day to sort of becoming a teenager where suddenly you find you have to sort of pick up the pace on that. Our skin gets oilier as well, more congested, more blackheads, more pimples. So you have this sort of surge during your teenage years and uh, that's why acne is so common as a te- you know, in, in teens, 80 to 90%. As we go through life, us women, unfortunately, are more likely to continue with, to suffer with acne as adults. It really depends which paper you read, but estimates are that somewhere between 10 and 40% of women over 25 will suffer from acne. Now, there's obviously a spectrum. Some people very severe, severe some people really mild. We do still get that little shot of um, testosterone just before we get our period each month if we're not on any hormonal contraception. And that stimulates breakouts. And for some people, it can be so bad that like, you know, they're only pretty much getting over last month's breakout before the next month's one start. And you kind of can't see the wood for the trees. And other people you know, they can really see the sort of cyclical pattern. So um, that's why, um, you know, acne continues um, for for women in adulthood. And then about one in 10 women, and this is a figure I am absolutely certain of, one in 10 women have an underlying hormonal abnormality that makes this process worse. And uh, the the most common is polycystic ovarian syndrome, where you actually have high testosterone levels, not just a little surge before your period every month. Uh, With regards to, you know, whether one person acne would still be there when they come off the pill as opposed to the other it's kind of got to suck it and see <laughs> you haven't reassured me at all well <laughs> <laughs> right. I feel like we've gone straight in on acne and I do have way more acne questions for you but let's just let's just talk about skincare a little bit in general what is the biggest mistake that you see 
people making, you see women making? So two main things. I think the first is, and I would say this as a dermatologist, not seeking professional help early enough if things are not going well with your skin. So I see a lot of people who struggled for a really long time before getting help. And I think there are obvious barriers to that. Like, for example, not everyone can come to a private dermatology clinic. It costs money. Um, and also, if you go to see your GP on the NHS, you might you know, either have to wait a long time for a referral or you know, have to try a few things before you can have a referral to a dermatologist. So I, it's not always easy. And I appreciate that. I think the other mistake I see quite a lot is using too many products, which if you looked at my bathroom shelf, you would say I'm probably guilty of as well. But they're all there just in case I don't use them all regularly. But yeah, I think there was a trend about five years ago, maybe a little bit more, a little bit less, you know, to have these 10 step skincare routines. And I think that's something we're still like trying to shake off. People do get really overwhelmed by the amount of information that's out there about products and everything sounds so appealing. So there's this temptation to think, you, you get FOMO. Like, I'm missing out on this ingredient. It sounds really appealing. It sounds like it's made just for me. So I want to use that, but I don't want to let go of the other things I'm using as well, because they might also be helpful. So I'm just going to use everything. And then what happens is your skin gets red and it gets dry and it gets sore and it might break out more. And then you feel even worse. And then you've got to use something else to try and patch that up. So basically over fussy skincare routines mm-hmm. and the fallout from that is the sort of second most common thing. I completely agree with that. I always feel like, like I'm so fascinated with beauty and skincare. I'm always messaging back being like tell me about this ingredient I've just watched this video about this ingredient but I I completely agree I find it really overwhelming when there's too many steps and I kind of think if you're then using I don't know six seven products a a day how do you then know which one is really working for your skin so I find it I kind of like to use things in isolation obviously you know there's certain steps you kind of have to follow but um, I guess the more like specific ingredients I kind of like to use them individually um, because I don't really know what's working otherwise yeah that makes total sense I think the more things you use together the higher the chances of getting something wrong like mm. um, you know your skin being irritated using things that clash with each other you know, keeping it simple tends tends to be better you really you def- definitely don't need 10 steps what do you need so okay so, so the basic <laughs> Sorry, that was so <laughs> on the spot <laughs> That's okay uh, so what do you need a few basics you need to cleanse your skin mm. I recommend cleansing skin twice a day so mm. in the morning and in the evening I know not everyone does but that's sort of that's what I would recommend for cleanser I tend to re- recommend gels or creams I think they're tolerated well by most people but you know if you use a foaming cleanser and it suits you well that's absolutely fine what's right for one person is not always right for the other but I, I think gels and creams you can't really go wrong can um, I ask with um with then removing a cleanser do you recommend removing it with water or with a flannel or a cloth I personally uh, remove my cleanser with warm wet cotton pads or I have also got microfiber pads or a microfiber cloth I use so I like using something to take my makeup off and to like see my makeup uh, or you know if mm-hmm. I'm removing because I like to see what's on the cloth if you like or the pads it sort of reassures me that I've done the job well if you like it's fine to to um to rinse your cleanser off with um, warm water if you like doing that. So if I'm cleansing my skin in the shower, that's what I'll do. I would say the only reason I would recommend not splashing your face with warm water is if you're someone who's got very redness prone or sensitive skin, because that can sometimes induce a bit of flush or redness, a sort of almost force of splashing the water on your skin. Apart from that, it's really your pick. It's nice though to be able to use something to kind of get all, I love seeing, as you say, like the orange bits come out the nooks and crannies, (laughs) like the hairline and around your nose. And I love 
love that feeling. Almost therapeutic, isn't yeah, it? Satisfying. Yeah. Nodding. And while you're while we're on the topic of cleansers, do you believe in a double cleanse, or is that different for everybody? Or I generally in the morning would do a single cleanse. I think we all have a little bit of the grease and remnants of the night, if you like, on our faces in the morning. And um, I think that um, so I would just do a single cleanse in the morning. And I tend to use a, a product that I can um, uh, wipe off with wet cotton pads or what have you. But you could use a micellar water if you wanted to, if it was quick or convenient. Not a big fan of wipes here. In the evening, I do definitely like a double cleanse. I think particularly if you're someone who's wearing sunscreen or makeup, there's something nice about having a step to remove the makeup and then doing a sort of dedicated second cleanse after that. If you have really, really dry skin, maybe a single cleanse um, is better because the more you you cleanse your skin, the more um, you could potentially sort of strip it of moisture. This might be a silly question. When you double cleanse, do you double cleanse with the same product? You don't have to. Um, so I would tend in the evening to use a micellar water on cotton pads, swipe that over my face. It gets rid of most of the makeup. Um, and then I would go in with a cream or gel cleanser after that. That's my own great that's what I do okay tick that box some people but there's no reason you couldn't use the same product so everyone needs a good cleanser what else okay so cleanser the other thing you need is moisturizer I would use that twice daily as a matter of routine and then sunscreen Uh, sunscreen is essential I use sunscreen all year round I use an SPF 30 at a minimum so 30 or 50 which are the strengths available uh, usually in the UK I wouldn't use anything less than a 30 doesn't give good enough uh, protection mostly because we don't apply enough product so if we're applying an SPF 30 we're probably getting less than that unless we're applying a good half teaspoonful to our face neck and ears so um, the higher you go the the better as a precaution Um, always look for something that's broad spectrum that means it gives you UVA protection UVA protection good for anti-aging good for preventing dark spots uvb protection that's what your spf does and that uh, reduces sunburn and skin cancer if we sort of simplify things if you're someone who's got pigmentation on your skin that you want to treat then looking for a sunscreen that contains an ingredient called iron oxides which is often included in tinted sunscreens can be an extra bonus tick becky and i were talking the other day about mineral sunscreens what are the benefits of that versus a chemical sunscreen so mineral sunscreen works in a slightly different way. The sort of very simplified way of looking at it is that mineral sunscreen sort of um, reflects uh, UV rays away from the skin after it's been applied to act like a bit of a shield and that chemical sunscreens tend to absorb the UV rays and scatter them. I know in real life, cosmetic formulators will say it's not as simple as that. Mineral sunscreens uh, usually contain the filters titanium dioxide or zinc oxide. It used to cause a sort of very white thick paste on the skin that was cosmetically unacceptable, but new formulations are really quite good. Mineral sunscreens tend to be better suited for very, very sensitive skin. So if you're someone, for example, who has rosacea or eczema and lots of things that you apply to the skin sting or burn or irritate it, then mineral sunscreen um, tends to be tolerated better. Mineral sunscreen gives good broad spectrum protection against UV rays, but also visible light. I have to say chemical sunscreens are also really good, often really like elegant um, formulations. They feel really nice and lightweight on the skin nowadays. A mixture of filters can be used to give good broad spectrum cover and then these uh, ingredients like iron oxides can be added into uh, to protect against visible light so I think the main discriminator between the two would be if you have sensitive skin and if you already have sun damage is that reversible or is it just preventable going forward sun damage is cumulative Mm -hmm. so um you can't really undo sun damage that's happened in the past. Unfortunately, once it's done, it's done. But we can prevent further sun damage going forward. So I think uh, what 
the most important message for me to give would be don't think all is lost if you've had a lot of sun exposure in the past it doesn't mean you're sort of consigned to the too much sun scrap heap you know taking measures now will protect you from further sun damage um, going forward back to products that you need obviously your your list of essentials has just three things on it becky lou and i spend a lot of time looking at acids and peptides and there are so many ingredients so many buzzwords out there at the moment so obviously you know everybody can benefit from little bits of everything but to what extent should we be experimenting with all these ingredients well i'd say look your cleanser moisturizer and sunscreen are the bones of your routine so those are the things you need and the things that would be nice additions and the things that i typically suggest using if you want to sort of complete your skincare routine for good long-term skin health are a vitamin C serum at some point, or it doesn't have to be vitamin C, it could be a different antioxidant, but vitamin C is the most popular one. I would tend to use something like that in the morning after cleansing and before moisturizing or sunscreen. It protects the skin from uh, environmental damage from UV rays and pollution, for example, that could contribute to premature skin aging, so dark spots and wrinkles. So that's something that would be neat to include in a routine. And anyone who comes to me asking me for advice on how to slow the signs of aging will be recommended a vitamin C serum. And the other thing I would tend to recommend is a retinoid in the evenings, providing you're not pregnant or breastfeeding and there's no other reason you can't take it because that has the strongest evidence for uh, keeping the skin smooth, reducing fine lines and wrinkles and preventing dark spots. And when do you think people should start using a retinol? Because I actually, I, I don't know about anyone else here, but I can't use them. They really make my skin dry up. They yeah, make me really flare up. You're much younger than the rest of us though, Becky. But, I'm, but everyone's <laughs> constantly, I think so many people want to use it and sort of prevent that early aging, but they just don't know when's too early or when's too late. So yeah, I've, I've seen... had the same. I've ha- I like went for um, I had a, a kind of skin consultation scan, um, and they basically you know re- reviewed my skin and was like the the thing you're really missing is vitamin A. And I tried a, a few different brands at sort of a very very low percentage to start with, but. It just didn't, it, it just hasn't really helped my skin. Um, and I, I feel a bit afraid to sort of use it now. So I'm sort of always looking for an alternative um, that just, it just doesn't work for me. The good news is there's a huge offering uh, at the moment. There are lots of different products available. I think in some ways that's helpful because it means if one doesn't suit you, there might be another one that suits you better. In the other ways, it can seem completely overwhelming because you don't know where to start. I'd say mid-20s is about the time I would start thinking about it. I mean, we really don't need to be using retinol for anti-aging if you're a teenager. In terms of of starting, um, always the lowest uh, dose product you can find to begin with and introducing it very gradually and using a small quantity. There is this thing about getting a new product and feeling very excited about the benefits it promises and then wanting to sort of put loads of it on or use it really frequently immediately because we feel like we're just desperate for the results but all that happens if you introduce these things quickly or use a strength that's too high is that the skin gets red and irritated it's going to happen i normally say pea-sized blob start two evenings a week for two to four weeks then alternate evenings for two to four weeks and then eventually every evening and if you get stuck at a point like if you know alternate evenings is perfect for you and every evening means your skin is red and dry and you can't cover it up with makeup because it's catching in every flake go back to alternate evenings that's absolutely fine stick with that for a bit longer moisturize plenty protect your skin in the sun and if that you know if um, if that's all you can manage that's great everyone is slightly different becky what are you using at the moment i always trust you with your recommendations so what what ingredients are you relying on 
currently so I uh, actually am somebody that has a really paired back routine and actually Lou I'm sure you know this because every time you do ask me I always say kind of less is more so I do genuinely only use a cleanser moisturizer and an SPF um, and I, I genuinely love the La Roche-Posay SPF it's the milky fluid for the face it's so nice and sheer and there's kind of no ghostly white traces and then in terms of ingredients I swear by hyaluronic acid just because I've got very sensitive skin I am prone to eczema I have flare-ups all the time so hyaluronic acid is kind of the one thing that just keeps me hydrated and I also suffer from quite tight skin oh, on my that. forehead that's what I get the minute I take my makeup off as soon as I splash my face in the morning with water it's so tight yeah. it's the worst um, so hyaluronic acid is what I've been using and I love gel consistencies at the moment that's mm. what I'm really enjoying um, I've actually just got the La Roche-Posay um, hyaluronic B5 serum and it is the most amazing consistency and smells so good. So after my vitamin C in the morning, um, I then put that on and it's just, it's such a lovely formula. And I've been using it, I don't know, for five days and I've really noticed a difference already. We should just say that this podcast is sponsored by La Roche-Posay, as we said at the beginning, and we're going to talk about one of their ranges in a minute, but um, both of those were entirely organic mentions. So yeah, but recommendations. <laughs> I truly, I really <laughs> recommend that SPF if you've never tried it before, because it's actually quite a good primer as well. I don't know if anyone else has tried it, but it genuinely melts into the skin and leaves you quite matte. Mm. Anyway, give it a go. Justine, is that tightness, dryness? Yeah, so it, it, it tends to feel sort of tight and taut and almost look shiny and smooth and featureless. That's a sort of... Um, uh, that sounds uh, great. I don't have that. <laughs> you know, no, it it sometimes it sometimes you'll cleanse. It's often after cleansing that we notice this. So sometimes you cleanse your skin, and then after you think, "Oh, it looks all really nice and smooth," and then you sort of try and smile, and your face feels like it's going to crack. Yes. Um, so that's often a sign that um, that the skin is um, a bit dry, dried out. And I tend to get that if I use a foaming cleanser, but if I use a um, a creamy or gel cleanser, uh, I'm less likely to get that. And you know, applying a bit of moisturizer or a hydrating serum with um, hyaluronic acid, as uh, as Becky was saying, often. Um, uh, sort that out. Peptides are a really great alternative um, for people who would like to use retinol, but find that they're really up against it every time they try and use it. They get you know too dry despite going low and slow and all the things I talked about already. Let's move on and talk about treatments, and and we'll talk about at home treatments and and things that one goes to see a dermatologist for. But you know, you touched before on you know your number one piece of advice is to seek a dermatologist if you you know if you're having problems. What what you know, obviously severe acne aside, because that's kind of an obvious one. Mm. What are those, what should one go to a dermatologist for? Should you go to a dermatologist just because you have dry skin and you can't get on top of it like that? Or or should you only be going if it feels medical? Like, yeah, I suppose aesthetics versus medical reasons. I think that's a really um, big question actually, because um, it sort of means I probably have to discuss a bit how dermatology works. So mm. um, in the UK, dermatologists are trained um, uh, at universities and then through the NHS. So most of us have medical dermatology training. Not all dermatologists have cosmetic dermatology training. That's something they would seek separately, usually after they've qualified. Uh, that's unlike other countries where dermatologists may be trained in both medical and cosmetic. And so mostly in the UK, the reason for seeing a dermatologist would be for a medical problem like acne or eczema or psoriasis or rosacea, that sort of thing. And I would say the time to see a dermatologist is if you have a problem, you've seen your GP, they've given you advice they're not able to offer anything more um uh then they would you know usually be referred to a dermatologist 
Then the other side of things is cosmetics. So there are things that you want to improve about your skin that aren't necessarily a medical problem or the sort of thing that wouldn't really be funded on the NHS, like treating acne scarring or post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, that you now can take the bull by the horns and on your own book to see a dermatologist um, to, to get those sort of things um, uh, sorted. From an acne perspective, definitely if you're getting lots of spots that aren't going with over-the-counter products, if you're getting any scars or marks on your skin, if it's affecting your self-esteem. There are lots of treatments out there, again, kind of buzzwordy things like microneedling and dermaplaning and all these kind of treatments. Obviously, you don't have to go to a dermatologist for these. You can just go to a facialist and have these things done. Um, but what do you what do you think actually is really worthwhile? If you're going to spend some money on going to see somebody to do something, What what is worth the money? I'll tell you what I do because maybe that um, maybe that uh, is helpful because there's so many different things out out there. Mm -hmm. So um, it does depend on your age and your skin. So that's why we'll talk about me. Um, the sort of things I would be prepared to invest in for my skin are really good skincare routine. And um, so advice on how to tailor that for yourself. Then in terms of treatments, I have Botox. That uh, unfortunately is. Um, uh, not the case today because the pandemic means I've been uh, prioritizing doing other things and having a wrinkle free. Yeah, you do. Your skin you is do. glowing, yeah. Justine. Thank you. I feel like you have to say that, but that's very that's very oh, kind. No, was... <laughs> I have been having Botox for the last few years. I actually do it myself these days uh, in in my clinic. I, I just haven't because of the pandemic for the last few months. That's really helpful. I don't like a frozen look, but it just um, reduces some of the um, the muscle movement, which means my skin skin in general looks smoother. Can I just ask a quick question on that? So would you say there's kind of only a certain amount of, in terms of like reducing signs for anti-aging that products can do, and then Botox is kind of really the only other option? No, I don't think I would say that. I think that, um, look, I had loads of sun exposure unfortunately as a child I grew up in South Africa I was sunburned many 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 times and I told you I used sunbeds a few times when I was in in my teens uh, UV rays are responsible for 80% of aging so if I had been more careful with the sun protection over the years if I had really great genetics on the aging front maybe a skincare a good skincare routine with early use of a retinoid vitamin c and sunscreen would have been enough for, for me and I wouldn't have needed to do to do anything else so it's a sort of on a case-by-case -case basis the most helpful treatment tweakment for wrinkles that are caused by dynamic movement so expressing yourself uh, is botox uh, it's 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 really effective i have sometimes done my botox and thought that was a little bit too much for me and so i prefer a sort of less is more um look becky are there any treatments that you love doesn't have i know treatments not not there yet but um but any treatments any procedures that, you, that you've had and that you've rated um, I haven't really. I have had uh, peels done and I once had a skin laundry facial where they kind of um, lasered off the top layer of my skin. And I'm not joking, it's one of the best things I've ever had done because afterwards actually that was partially for very small scarring. Um, but afterwards I came out and my skin was like slippery. It was so I can't even explain it. It was almost like wet, but not, you know, and any time I put makeup on, it just sunk in. It was absolutely remarkable. And I could smell my skin being zapped off, which I know sounds hideous, but it was <laughs> incredibly satisfying. And it only took 15 minutes. It was the best 15 minutes I've ever had. Lou, <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Um, I actually really love facial massage. I know a lot of people are you're you're either in that camp or you're not um but that is something I've been trying to do a lot more um whilst we've been at home and 
I really, really, when you talk about the face sort of sagging, I definitely, I think all those Zoom calls, you just notice your face shapes so much more than you ever have done. So yeah, I've been doing um, facial massage techniques with like an oil and then finishing off with a gua sha. And actually I've, I have noticed a real difference um, and kind of some of the videos I've been watching about it, they're basically saying, you know, you're training your face and the muscles in your face to be lifted and it does make sense you know you you work out your body to make your muscles kind of toned and in, in, in a certain position so why would you not do that for your face as well justine lou just mentioned the gua sha there are jade rollers there are those ice balls that everybody's using what home equipment do you think actually really works? does all of that really work i love using all of those those things i think if you use those things and you like them and you find them helpful knock yourself out like enjoy okay and it, it, whatever works for you i don't use anything like that myself I don't have any devices or or, or tools um, uh, at home I haven't seen enough evidence to suggest um, any of those devices would be helpful in the long run so I'd, I don't use them but I'm not one of those people who poo-poos things that other people do because I think you know there are things that work for all of us and we kind of find our, our own way and if something's working for you why would you stop I think as long as something's not dangerous go for it where do you really rate for a good facial in london i you're going to be horrified i don't have facials you not know that's so actually makes sense. i guess you can look after your own skin which is not to say actually that i wouldn't enjoy it because actually i really would i mean i just can't think of anything nicer than having someone do a facial for me but it's not something i need for my skin my skin will carry on merrily without a facial so the only reason I would do a facial is from the self-care side of things one person I'm really tempted to go to for a facial just because I just like her whole ethos and approach and I like the way she talks about skin I like the skincare products she suggests is Deja Ayodele yeah. um, who um, I only know through Instagram uh, and she did a brilliant talk actually for the British Association of Dermatologists within the last few months and I, I think I just like to go and spend an hour with her so she's <laughs> on my um, list of places I'd like to go and have a facial when lockdown is over um but it's not something that I do routinely Lou you love a Sarah Chapman facial don't you yeah I love a Sarah Chapman facial I literally can't wait to get back in there um they do this this sort of thing on your cheeks it basically feels like you're putting your cheeks through a car wash um but (laughs) it's just like the most wonderful feeling and and I have a a glow that lasts for a couple of days and I shall you're the same which I just can't get from anything else um so yeah it's I think a lot of it is being sat for you know 20 minutes not being on my phone not being able to multitask and do something else at the same time that for me is the biggest kind of indulgence in itself totally agree with you I think that is absolutely priceless and I think actually in itself that is therapy um you know um having uh having that time it what's really interesting about the skin is we used to see this in hospital so people would come in with a really bad skin problem they need to be admitted to hospital and sometimes just being out of their normal environment for a few days would be good for their skin like the skin condition would get better and I really do believe the same thing happens like when we go on holidays a lot of people notice skin um, issues get better on holiday and it's you know people will put it down to the sunshine or what have you yeah sometimes a little bit of gentle sun is anti-inflammatory I'm not suggesting anyone does that though um but it's it's kind of the removal from your own sort of normal health situation so I I do really believe actually that one of the main benefits of treatments like facials for example is actually as well as having someone look after your skin for you it's that escapism and like the Mm. the de-stress and the relaxation which itself is uh, is good for you for your skin let's talk about scarring um and acne scarring and again we've mentioned it a couple of times throughout but but what are your recommendations either for things that you can do at home to minimize bad scarring and and then you know down the line if necessary professional treatment 
Okay, it's really simple. I can be quick on this one. First thing is you have got to get the acne under control as soon as possible. Uh, There's absolutely no point doing any active scarring treatment uh, until you've uh, got a plan for getting the acne under control. Otherwise, people end up wasting so much money going round and round in circles. And believe me, people will want to sell you the acne scarring treatment because they make a lot of money from it. So uh, it does not make sense to treat the scarring until you have a plan to get the acne under control, number one. Number two, things you should definitely do are to protect your skin really carefully from the sun. Um, Sunlight unfortunately makes those dark sort of pinky purple or brown marks that acne leaves behind stay for much longer. So it's really important to protect the skin from the sun. Also, we don't want anything that's going to degrade our collagen uh, because um, we need collagen for for repairing scars. And then ideally a a retinoid. Um, So again, that's your vitamin an A group, uh, prescription ones are going to be much more um, uh, useful than over-the-counter ones. It will be slightly different for everyone, but some of the treatments used for scarring will be things like microneedling um, or laser resurfacing if you've got indented scars. Um, if you've got lumpy scars, we sometimes inject those with steroids. Um, if you've got discoloration, we might also sometimes suggest chemical peels or certain lasers. Um, so that kind of depends. But the at-home treatments that you were talking about, can they treat historic scars as well so actually scars from when you I, clearly i'm talking very specifically about myself as if you're an adult and you were left with scars from when you were younger can, can, is that something that you can you know improve from home or, or you know should you seek professional help so a scar sort of undergoes an evolution so once the injury is there to the skin it can take around a year or so for the scar to evolve at some degree that scar is going to stay as it is and um, things that can make the scar look more obvious is if you have lots of sun exposure over time okay um so uh, you know if the scars have been there for 15 or 20 years is I'm, I think there's a limit to what you can achieve with um, at-home treatment uh, and you know, maybe getting professional help um, if that you've got scars that are bothering you would be useful there. And you, you know, may be st- able to do some things that help a bit, but the degree to which it helps will, will vary. If you have ongoing acne now, you treat the acne, then it might be worth starting with prescription cream, sun protection, and, um, and then thinking about procedures like needling and various other things I've mentioned after six or 12 months or so, depending on how well the scars have healed to see whether that might help at that stage and what about um more like hormonal spots like I'm not subject to kind of full-blown acne but I do I'm always subject around my my sort of my chin and my jaw to hormonal breakouts what would be your advice to to kind of help with those hormonal breakouts and then the recovery of them all breakouts are hormonal to some degree but I, I see what you mean are the sort of those that come around the time of the period I mean yeah. the treat the 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 treatment really depends on the severity. If it's just the very occasional spot, then maybe having something at hand that you can just put on the affected area when it, you know, as soon as you feel something appear can be useful. But mm-hmm. I would tend to use a retinoid cream every evening as a kind of blocker to reduce that from, from happening. If that's not um, enough, then um, you may, you know, you may need oral treatment. And then there's a discussion that we would have in the clinic about, you know, what the trade-offs are. Like, is it bad enough for you that you would want to take an oral treatment to reduce it? And then the options are, you know, the pill antibiotics, and there are other treatments as well. Mm-hmm. I think the best advice I can give is there's usually a combination of factors that contribute towards breakouts. It's not usually one single thing. So genes predispose you to breakouts. So if you have a strong family history of acne in a family member, then you're more likely to have um, uh, acne yourself. If your acne started at a very early age, then you might also be more likely to have a persistent course. Hormones are a, a factor for all of us. So, um, you know, we, I know we talk about hormonal acne but pretty much all acne is hormonal acne it's just it might be more obvious to some people than others some people will have an underlying 
actual hormone abnormality and the most common of those is polycystic ovarian syndrome and the we that is something we would test for if you had red flags to suggest you might have it those are things like having infrequent or very irregular periods or not getting any periods at all having um thicker coarse hair on your sort of chin jawline area sometimes on your on your tummy or or, or nipples as well thinning of hair on the scalp, carrying excess weight, these are all clues. So if you had, you know, some, some other clues that we might test for polycystic ovarian syndrome. But the, the answer is if we tested everyone for polycystic ovarian sy syndrome, 90% of people's tests would come back negative. And the bottom line is that what happens in acne is the receptors to testosterone are super sensitive in your skin, even if you have normal circulating levels. And then you'd get this little surge around the time of your period and it kicks things off. If you have um, signs that you might have a hormone condition, you'll be screened for it by a dermatologist and then that would be managed appropriately but if you don't have any of those red flags it's likely that it's not really going to affect the treatment that you're offered and then there are some lifestyle things that can contribute skincare products stress diet we would discuss all of those things too usually it's a combination of all of us together obviously all of this leads us very nicely on to talk about the La Roche-Posay Effaclar range obviously we are working with the brand at the moment and Becky I'm gonna roll you out please to explain exactly what the Effaclar range is and what it does because it really is amazing isn't it yeah, so the Effaclar range is brilliant for anyone kind of looking to treat blemishes without entirely stripping their skin. It's still incredibly hydrating. It's brilliant for controlling sort of your oil levels, but not, as I said, stripping the skin. So it kind of does that perfect balance act. And it's suitable mainly for those with blemish prone complexions. And I absolutely love, genuinely really rate their body wash the cleansing purifying wash for the body and face you can use it on both um, and it's brilliant if say like me at the moment you're exercising and friction's causing you to break out in areas you can't necessarily reach and it just works to sort of break blemishes down and smooth the skin at the same time the whole range is great and affordable as well it's very accessible if you are suffering with spots i've got a couple of uh, products from the effaclar range that i've been uh, recommending to patients for years that the effaclar h uh, cleansing cream that is a really great nice gentle creamy cleanser uh, the effaclar h moisturizer i really like making the skin hydrated and feel comfortable uh, without overdoing it so uh, it balances things nicely particularly if you're also an acne treat prescription acne treatment so acne therapies will dry the skin out a bit and having a moisturizer that replaces lost hydration but doesn't make your skin greasy is is really brilliant one of the other products i really like is the effaclar duo which um i really like that for teenagers as a moisturizer it's got niacinamide and um i think salicylic acid in it that's quite a nice one okay so anyone with blemishes basically can use the range yeah, yeah. becky how many products are there in the range there's 14 in total and there's you know there's absolutely something for everyone from micellar waters to sort of gentle moisturizers and masks there's honestly a bit of everything so it's well worth checking out if you are suffering my, with those blemishes my husband's actually just started using their three-step routine from the fcar range and has noticed a real difference in a short time so yeah i can highly recommend um, all right. Well, we said it at the top of the podcast, but we should reiterate the fact that um, the entire Effaclar range is available at boots.co.uk um, and you can get 25% off until the 6th of May. I think we'll leave it there. Justine, you know, as I said, I knew it would be like this. I said at the beginning, but we obviously 
could continue this conversation for hours so please will you come back thank you anytime I like answering questions you can see you could just you could just set me off and I keep going so uh um... oh, it's it's so so fascinating <laughs> thank you so much and thank you Lou and Becky as well um if you have any feedback at all please do email podcast at sheerlux.com we love hearing from you we do forget also to rate review subscribe and tell your friends bye